You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Oh, how are we feeling, everybody? Staying warm? Hey, my iPad left the chat today because I've been trying to squeeze as much life out of it as possible. It's 10 years old and still kind of going okay. So follow me for more tips. But we've got the paper in the clear file tonight, and it's going to be good. But tonight's message is uh, not something I can honestly say I was super pumped to preach about when I first got the, uh, got the title, Blessed Are the Persecuted. But I really believe that God is spoken to me uh, in the process of writing this message, and I really believe he's put something in my heart that uh, is really, I think, um, the Holy Spirit has been on it from the beginning, and I'm very excited to share with you tonight. But before we start, why don't we bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather, to worship freely, to praise your name, Lord. And God, I just pray as I speak tonight that your word will shine through. Your love and your grace for every single one of us will shine through. And Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives and all you continue to do in our lives, even in the midst of hard circumstances. We bless everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, quick recap, we've been looking at Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew 5. We're going to quickly jump through these to recap. Matthew 5 verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And tonight's topic, the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, and for the same way that they persecuted the prophets before you. I don't know about you, but when I read these Beatitudes together, one to seven sound amazing. And then we get to eight, and it's like, oh, did you have to put that one in there? <laughs> but you see, it's because of one to seven that we have eight. And what I, re- what I mean by that is when we live a life according to God's purpose, when we live out the Beatitudes one to seven in our lives, it's no doubt that we're going to experience eight. Why? Because we stand out. And I'm not saying that just because you share all of your, uh, your strongest opinions and you like to cause arguments that you're persecuted for your faith, that's a different case altogether. What I'm saying is when you live like Jesus lived, you're going to stand out. I was on a camping trip a few years ago, and it was a big group of friends and I were at Hotwater Beach. Praise the Lord, that is paradise. And uh, not too touristy, but you still got the beautiful Coromandel, and we're having a great old time. And I remember on one of the days, I got a bee sting on my hand. And on the first day, it was a little spot, a little bit itchy, but it was, you know, no worries. Second day, it had started to spread. It got a lot bigger, and I still don't know if it was actually a bee sting. It may have been something else, but I was like, wow, that's definitely gotten better. Someone was like, draw a circle around it, you know? <laughs> well, I drew a circle around it, but on the third day, when I woke up, my whole hand was so swollen. It was like a giant tomato. I'm pretty sure when I was out swimming, people thought I was using it as an inflatable. Like, it was huge. And every 
everyone that I came into contact with had to comment on my hand. They had to go, bro, what happened to your hand? You look like Popeye. Or they're just straight laughing. And I remember thinking to myself, everybody's freaking out about my swollen hand. And not only that, after they had commented on the observation that they had made about what I had, they started to comment on what I should do with it. They started to say things like, you need to go to a doctor. You need to put ice on it. You need to take this pill and this pill. I've got some homebrew, try that. They're saying all sorts of things. The guy chopping the onions was like, amputate. I'm like, no, everyone needs to settle down. It's just a bee sting. It's gonna be all right. I know that the pain will pass. And honestly, when the whole world is freaking out around you, I want you to be encouraged because often they'll see Jesus as an issue and they'll tell you how to live your life. And you may have experienced this already. Persecution of the church is happening all over. Just because you believe in Jesus in the Bible, people are gonna make comments. People are gonna see it as an issue. They're gonna tell you how to live your life. They're gonna tell you this, tell you that. They might insult you for your beliefs, but I'm here to tell you that we're in this together. And if that's the case and you truly are living the way that Jesus has called you to live and not just stirring the pot for the sake of it, if people are getting upset, then you're probably doing something right. Because you're standing out like a beast thing. And that's what the Lord has called us to do, is to stand out. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, it says, In fact, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'm sorry to say it, but it says anyone. Not just the pastor. Not just the guy who came late. Not putting it anywhere. Not just anyone. Anyone who follows Jesus will be persecuted. 1 Peter 4 verse 12 to 13, it says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, because these same trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. Why are we talking about this tonight? Such a serious topic, Nathan. Can't we have something more fun to talk about? Trust me, it's a lot easier to preach those ones. But there's people in this room who, the fact of the matter is you've lost relationships, jobs, you've been called different things, you've been humiliated in front of others simply because of your faith. And I'm here to remind you tonight of God's glory. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is still in control. He has a plan and you do not need to fear. In John 16, verse 33, it says, I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you may have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus is king. The Bible describes him as the prince of peace. We have nothing to fear. He is good, he is loving, and he's gracious to us through even the hardest of circumstances. And although the persecution that we may face in New Zealand is not on the scale of some countries where you could quite likely be killed for believing in Jesus, we still have to know how to navigate in a world where being a Jesus follower is becoming increasingly more and more unpopular. What, What do we do in that instance? How do we follow God? Well, three quick things. Firstly, I believe we need to be saturated in God's presence. We need to be saturated in God's presence. Secondly, I believe we need to know his word. We need to know his word. And thirdly, we need to follow him. Saturated in his presence, know his word and follow him. If your house is built on the rock, it will stand. No matter what life throws at you, 
Persecution for your faith is nothing new. The Bible is full of stories like this. We've got people like Joseph thrown in a pit, then put in prison for something he didn't do, then he was promoted to second in charge of all of Egypt. Praise God. We've got, we've got people like Paul who was in prison and the chains fell off. We've got people like Daniel in the lion's den. God tamed the lions. He didn't get eaten. Are you hearing me? I've never met a cat that wasn't hungry. That's a miracle, amen? God is good. But tonight I want us to actually look at the story of Daniel. I want us to look at the book of Daniel, and I want us to give you, I want to give you a bit of context about where this book is set, Babylon. Now, Babylon was an ungodly city. They had their own gods, their false idols, and they took over um, the, the Israelite city, Jerusalem, at the time. They burnt it to the ground in front of them. Then they took the Israelites, and they took them to Babylon as exiles. And so you can imagine that these Israelites, no choice of their own, are now second-class citizens in a city where their leader literally burnt everything they knew to the ground. They've, many of them would have been separated from their families and they would have been looking at God like, why should I worship you? Babylon had its own idols. And the Bible tells us that many Israelites decided to follow those idols in the way of life and the culture in Babylon rather than staying true to their roots in God. And there was a, a prophet at the time named Jeremiah, and we can read all about his prophecy in Jeremiah 29, and I'm going to paraphrase tonight for the sake of time, but basically, in the midst of all this chaos, Jeremiah says to the Israelites, the exiles, he's like, guys, this is what the Lord is saying. Settle down, get married, have children, build houses, and pray for the city of Babylon that it prospers, and in doing so, you will prosper also. I'm sure there were people like, how dare he say that? How, why would I pray for my, why would I pray for King Nebuchadnezzar? Do you know what he's done to me? I've lost everything. Why would I do that? Sounds similar to situations today, doesn't it? And then he goes on to talk about how the Lord doesn't want them to, to compromise. He doesn't want them to fall for these false idols and this false teaching. He wants them to stay true to the one true God. But in he said, the Lord also said, don't worry because this time in Babylon is temporary. You won't be exiles forever and you will be delivered out of it into the promised land. This is only temporary. I'm here to remind you tonight that this world is not our home. We have a promised land that is promised to us. We are here temporarily, yes, and we have a job to do why we are here, but we will overcome. Because we believe in a God who's already won the battle. He's already won the victory for us. We do not need to be afraid of what's happening outside of those doors because this is not our home. And it is in this prophecy that we get our church's verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, Speaking to the Israelites, for, the Lord, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then you will call on me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me, when you seek me with all your heart, and I'll be found by you. How good is God? And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whether the Israelites decided to follow him or not, they knew that this persecution was temporary. And just like our world today, God will lead us into our promised land. But I want to challenge you, are you going to be like the Israelites that chose to compromise to culture? Or are you going to be like the Israelites that chose to stand firm on the Word of God? They had the first five books of the Bible at that time. Are you going to stay true to the Word of God and His beliefs and your relationship with Him? Or are you going to cave to any thought of uncomfortability and compromise? Our world is a bit of a mess right now. 
but you don't need to be afraid. In Christ, we will overcome, but only in Christ. Now we know a little bit about the context. I want to tell you about some heroes in this book. And uh, the king, he got a whole lot of people on his royal staff, and he actually chose some Israelites. And there was four men that we read about in the book of Daniel, and uh, their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, I want to tell you about what their names meant. Daniel meant God is my judge. Hananiah, God is gracious. Mishael, who is like God. And Azariah, God has helped. But the king, he didn't like this. He decided to change their names. He wanted to change them based on the Babylonian gods. And so that's what he did. Daniel was changed to Belteshazzar. Bal will protect. Shadrach was changed to inspired of Aku. Meshach, belonging to Aku, Abednego, servant of Nego. You see, the king tried to change their identity, but he couldn't. He could only change their name. When your identity is found in Christ, the world will try to change that, but nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus, the true king. The world will try to take your voice, but I want to encourage you, don't compromise on a godly position just to be elevated in the natural, but then to also be simultaneously pulled back in the supernatural. You have to choose. In the book of Daniel, we learn that these men, they took multiple stands for God through their time of working for the king. They were loyal to him. They worked hard. They did a good job, although they didn't agree with everything that he said or did. But despite their differences of beliefs, the Bible tells us that these men, they were 10 times more capable in every aspect of literature and understanding and wisdom than any of the other men that worked for the king. How amazing is that? God is good. So these men knew, this king knew these men were different. And even in their difference of belief, the king decided one day in Daniel 3, that he would build a giant golden statue of himself. He clearly wasn't big enough, so he built a big one. <laughs> and then he invited every single important person in the kingdom, the advisors, the royal judges, the governors, the astrologers, to come on down, and he was like, yo, look at it, it's me. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Like, he clearly had an identity crisis. And so everyone's looking at this thing, and then the herald announces on the king's behalf. He's like, all right. When the music plays, everyone needs to bow down, fall to the ground, and worship the statue. And if they don't, you'll be thrown into the furnace. And so the music played, everyone fell down and worshiped the statue apart from three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood tall. Now, some astrologers who were there at the time, they noticed that these men didn't fall to the ground. And so they decided to knock on them and tell the king, right? It would be the astrologers, the guys who get paid to stare into space all day. They got nothing better to do but tell on someone. And so they go and tell the king. Clearly, the king's not happy about this. He's like, what the heck? Someone didn't do what I asked them to do. So he summons the boys and he's like, look, I'm going to give you guys another chance because I like you. But seriously, if you don't bow down, I'm going to chuck you in that furnace. And then he says this. This is, this is pretty special. He says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I think at that point, God was like, yo, 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 no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm listening, Kingy. I want you to write this down. When persecution comes, it's time to go deeper in our belief. When persecution comes, it's time to go deeper in our belief. Often persecution will look like ultimatums. Say this, do this, bow to this, or else. But I want to encourage you not to cave. 
You don't have to cave to that. We serve the king of all kings. Remind yourself of the stories in the Bible. Remind yourself of what God's already done in your own life and in the life of others. Remind yourself that he takes care of his people when you were in the fire. And so in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say this, they reply to the king, and I want you to take note of this. We've got a king. He's got his own culture, very different, of course. These boys are in a moment where they have the decision, are they gonna compromise Or are they going to continue to stand tall in what they believe? Notice how they respond. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve will be able to deliver us from it. And he'll be able to deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, I want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. When faced with an ultimatum, rather than throwing up their hands, saying, King, you're a this and you're a that, they treated him with the utmost respect of his position. They did it out of love and grace, but they stood firm in what they believe. And I want to encourage you, church, when faced with an ultimatum, you can be firm in love. Because that's what Jesus did. He was firm in love. You can carry that spiritual authority. The God of heaven and earth will deliver you. You can back yourself in that. And it may not be always the way we expect. These boys were ready for anything, but God will never let you down. King Nebuchadnezzar used intimidation to try to get these boys to compromise. He turned the fire seven times hotter, like that's gonna make a difference. You're gonna get burned anyway. But anyway, he turns it up seven times hotter. And I want you to write this down. When persecution increases, we need to increase our intimacy with God. Because it's in those moments where persecution is happening all around us that it's time to go deeper. It's time to put the worship playlist on. It's time to thank God for what you do have, not what you've lost. It's time to push into His Word. It's time to remind you of your testimony, remind you of others' testimonies. It's time to go deeper. And then it just gets more and more exciting. You see, when we develop our intimacy with God, we gain something, and that's more of the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing that transforms life. That's the thing that walks us through every season. In verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up in that fire? And they said, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, there's three men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the sons of the gods. In the midst of your fire, God is closer than you think. The king then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. When you stand in the fire, the world will recognize him. And that's exactly what the king did. And if you're in the fire right now, he is with you. You are being purified. And in persecution, I encourage you, turn to God who's in the fire with you. Not your problem, not the fire. Focus on God who's in the fire with you. If we've been called to live like Jesus, if we've been called to follow those beatitudes, then don't be surprised when you face persecution. Rather face the one who helps us through that persecution. The Bible tells us that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of that fire, they were not hurt. No hair on their head was singed. Their clothes were all good, and they didn't even smell like smoke. How good is God? When persecution comes, who's smelling you? Who's smelling you? 
Seriously, who's watching? When I was in high school, I found it very difficult to know what the heck I should be doing with my life. When you're in high school, you might feel a little bit like me if you're still in school. You feel like you have to have it all figured out. Um, And I was definitely that kid. So every time that there was like a career opportunity to try something new, I would always jump on that bandwagon. And I remember one school holidays, I went on a five-day camp kind of apprenticeship experience to become an electrician, right? You can go check it out. So a bunch of year 12 boys from a bunch of different schools, we jumped on a bus and we went to this, um, it honestly looked like a really scary hospital. (laughs) No word of a lie. And we stayed in this place for five days and we learned about the trade of being an electrician. And I remember one day we were um, doing some practical activities where we were twisting some wires together and stuff. I think we were wiring up like a PowerPoint and the radio was playing. And I noticed that the radio was playing Life FM, a Christian radio station. I was like, oh, I wonder who put that on. And I thought to myself, I remember talking to one of the boys here who said that he was a Christian, but I don't know if anyone else is, so I thought maybe he put it on. The instructor, after a little while, came into the room and he noticed the radio station. And he said, everyone stop what they're doing. Who changed my radio station? And we all looked at each other like, no one saw it. And then we're like, nobody changed it. And he's like, who changed my radio station? And we're like, looking around like just blankly. And he's like, all right, I'll ask a different question. Who's a Christian in here? Come on, Jesus. And so I saw my opportunity and I put up my hand. I said, I'm a Christian, but I didn't change your station. Well, he didn't believe me. I mean, the man had little man syndrome. He lost the plot. He's like, nobody changes the radio station from the Rock FM. It is always on the Rock. (laughs) And I remember in that moment thinking, you know, this is not real persecution. Sure, maybe a little bit. Maybe the kind that we might face on a day-to-day basis. But it was taking a stand. It was taking a stand for God to put my hand up and say, yes, I'm a Christian in front of those who may not be. Who will smell you afterwards when you've been in the fire? What example are you setting for those watching, followers of Jesus and those that don't follow Jesus yet? Are you caving at the thought of uncomfortability or are you standing strong in the strength that Christ gives us in our hardship? Our job on earth is to experience the life transformative love of Jesus. It's designed to transform us from the inside out, and it's beautiful. But it's not just for us to keep it to ourselves. We have to share it. And uh, lately, I've been trying to challenge myself to do this more. I'm a videographer, and I get the privilege of meeting new people all the time. I go to lots of different places, and um, I've it's great because I can tell someone about Jesus, run away, and may never see them again. So it's working out rather well. And I was on a plane to Wellington recently, and I noticed that there was a certain politician on this plane. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, look who it is. And then my second thought was, I remember talking to my granddad, and he told me that he tried to witness to this guy many, many years ago, and he wasn't having a bar of it. Now, to give you a bit of context, he's going to remain unnamed, um, but he's a very confrontational character and the best of times. And so I knew I had a challenge on my hands. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, all right, granddad did it. It's time for you to give it a crack. I'm like, oh, here we go. 
So as soon as the plane landed, I never get off first. I always just kick back in my seat for a while, wait for everyone else to stress and worry, and then I get off the plane. But I got off the plane as quickly as I could. I ran to the terminal and I waited for him in the arrival area. Once he was there, I asked for a minute of his time, and basically the conversation, to sum it up, didn't go very well. I tried my best, I tried to ask him questions and to share the love of Jesus with him, and I could see that he was getting more and more agitated, more and more defensive, and it was in that moment that I had to choose, is this a battle I wanna fight, or is this gonna put him off altogether? And so what I decided to do was remind him that Jesus loved him, he hadn't forgotten about him, and that I'll be praying for him, and I left it at that. Now, it's easy to walk away from a situation like that and feel discouraged. And honestly, at first I did. But what I realized is my granddad planted a seed many years ago, and the Holy Spirit had me there that day just to add a bit of water to it. And sometimes that's all we're doing is adding a bit of water to the seeds that have already been planted in our lives. And I want to encourage you, whatever that looks like, whether it's straight out telling someone about Jesus or simply showing them for the love of Jesus, showing them the love of Jesus when they least deserve it, it is our job to share what we've been given. I know for a fact the way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had lived their lives in front of the king over many years of being loyal to him and, and working hard for him and giving them the best advice that they could, I know for a fact that that would have shined bright and planted many seeds in the king's heart. And in verse 28, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Isn't that incredible? What a turnaround from the king. And it goes on to say that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were then promoted for it, which brings me to the next point, which is standing tall in persecution leads to promotion. And when we follow God and we stand firm in the way that God's called us to live our lives, it's no wonder that God can bring a promotion through it. We live in a culture that preaches very loud, all their ideas and themes and whatever you want to call it. But what's amazing is the Bible because it stood the test of time. And it was designed just as much for the Christian as it was for the unbeliever. Don't forget that. And when we live the way that it teaches, it's no wonder that God shines through us. If you don't know it already, a life with Christ only gets better and better, and we're not finished yet because he's not finished yet. Come on. In James 1 verse 2 to 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so it may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. I'll ask keyboardists to come up. God is not finished yet, no matter your age or stage. No matter what fire you might be working, walking through, God deeply loves you through every season. And I want you to know not only will we be rewarded in heaven for the way that we live on our lives on earth, it's more than that. It's also a fulfillment and purpose thing. Because when we live God's way, we experience a fulfillment and purpose like nothing else. A couple of years ago, I was working, uh, walking through a very hard season in my life. And I was so desperate for God to move. And I was crying out, I was praying, I was doing all sorts of things. And I read a verse one day that really just hit hard for me. And I was in tears for ages, eh? Honestly. And it's just simply this, Psalm 126 verse 5. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy. 
carrying sheaves with them. And that day, I knew that I was in the fire, but I knew that God was with me in the fire. But that verse didn't tell us to give up. It didn't tell us to throw in the towel. When, what is it? When the tough gets toughing, we go or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something like that. You know what it is. It didn't tell me to chuck it all away. It told me to keep going. Because in the midst of our fire, when we recognize God in it, He gives us peace and joy and hardship that we would never experience otherwise. It's incredible. The reason why it's incredible is because every other sense of peace and joy in this world that the world can offer you is circumstantial. But the peace and joy that the Holy Spirit brings is not circumstantial. Your life could be absolute chaos, but you could be at utter peace with God. There's no greater love than the love of Jesus. There's no greater life transformation, the transformative power of Jesus. And there's a world that's hurting out there. They're desperate to find Jesus, whether they realize it yet or not. And Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life, but he didn't compromise on his belief in God. He stood firm. He was a man of authority, but he did it out of grace and love for the broken, you and I. And God is incredible because we see another aspect of that with our three boys. I call them the beasting boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they stood out. They stood out, and God came through for them. So I'm here to remind you today, whatever you're facing, whatever fire you're going through, whether you're being mocked, persecuted, excluded for your faith, I'm here to remind you, the blessed are the persecuted for their righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Are you willing to make a stand for Jesus today and every day? The joy, the peace, and the purpose, no matter the circumstances, a life with Jesus is truly a life worth living. I'd love for us to bow our heads for a moment. Many might be mistaken to think that this message is just for the Christians in the room. But I believe 110% that it's for every person because there's people here that you feel far away from God. If you're honest with yourself, maybe you haven't felt like you've been walking with God in a while or maybe you've never felt like you've walked with God and you'd like to know more about that. Well, I want to encourage you that Jesus died on a cross for our sins to pay the debt that we couldn't pay. He was a perfect man. He lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross, rose again three days later so that we could have a life, an eternity with God rather than in hell. And that's the truth. He loves us so much that he would do that for us. And I want to give you an opportunity today because it's a free gift and it's the greatest gift that humankind has ever had before. And we're going to pray a prayer and if you... Um, are that person tonight and you want to come to God, I'd love for you to pray that prayer in your heart with me. I'm going to say it out loud and you can pray it in your heart. So if that's you, I'll pray this now. Dear Jesus, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life today and I turn to you. Come in, make me Lord of my life. Make me brand new today. I choose this day to live for you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. With every head still bowed, if you prayed this prayer tonight, you just made the greatest decision of your whole entire life because your life will never be the same if you truly meet it and you truly chase after God like we've been talking about. But I'd love to know who made that decision. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to point you out, single you out. But if you made that decision, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can say a quick prayer over you. And I really encourage you to connect with someone after the service too to talk about this decision you've made. But if that's you, if you made that decision tonight, whether for the first time or you're coming back to God, I'd love for you to lift your hand in three, two, one. Pop your hand up nice and high so I can see it. One down the back, fantastic. That's incredible. Anyone else? One in the middle here, fantastic. One last chance. Anyone else who said that prayer tonight? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. One in the middle here, fantastic. Lord, we just thank you for these wonderful servants of you, Jesus, choosing to follow you despite their circumstances. Jesus, I just pray pray your richest blessings over them, Lord, and I just pray for your protection and favor as they go out. Lord, I pray that your word will illuminate to them. When they read your word and when they stay engrossed in your presence, Lord, when they're in the fire, wherever they are, Lord, I pray that you'll show up for them. And God, I pray that you will strengthen them with your armor of protection, Lord, and you'll bless them, Lord. And as they go, Lord, I pray that you'll reveal more and more to them the son or daughter that you've called them to be. Shape them and mold them, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.